Welcome to Silicon Valley Trends. This is a podcast for innovators, entrepreneurs, and anyone involved in forming startups, developing technologies, making waves and driving new trends in the tech sector. This is where entrepreneurs can learn how to survive startup, raise finance, generate market momentum, build a profitable business and cash out. I'm your host, David Smith, and I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs build more successful startups and help more innovators profit from their ideas and inventions. This crusade is going to involve providing innovators and entrepreneurs with information, education, advice, guidance, and practical hands-on support through a range of initiatives, including this free podcast series. In this first episode, I thought it would be useful to introduce myself and give you some insights into what we're going to be doing in the coming years to help the people that put their ideas, money, and careers on the line to drive change in Silicon Valley and the tech sector. I myself have formed more than a dozen tech startups, mostly in Silicon Valley. The first couple of startups didn't survive, although they developed some killer products. I sharpened my pencil, went back to the drawing board, and figured out how to build startups that have grown to be profitable, been acquired by leading tech companies, and are running quite successfully today. For one of my companies, I raised almost $30 million in finance from angels, venture capital investors, and corporate investors. More than half of that came from China and Japan. Bill Gates personally invested in my software company, a web browser and internet service for kids. I went to law school as well as business school in an effort to find the secret source for startup success. Then I formed Silicon Valley Business School, developed dozens of courses and a complete knowledge base of information containing more than 2,000 videos and articles on key aspects of business. Silicon Valley Business School is also part of this mission and you'll hear more about this later on. I've authored three books The first is a roadmap and travel guide for entrepreneurs called Zero to IPO. The second is called Patents, Cloaks and Daggers and sheds light on what happens in the secretive patent trade. And the third is a book called Dollar Value, which explains how patents, startups, software and other intellectual property assets are valued in the real world. I've been an entrepreneur since I was a teenager. I can't seem to stop myself from coming up with new business ideas. For people like me, entrepreneurship is like an incurable disease. I seem to have had it my whole life, even during a four-year period when I was recruited by Apple. While working at Apple, on the side, I started a real estate business and a retail business. As Apple World Marketing Manager, I was responsible for Apple's brand image, working out of Apple's European head office in Paris but traveling all over the world in an effort to synchronize the Apple brand across the various regions and get all the Apple offices and advertising agencies singing out of the same songbook. In a moment of what might appear to be pure insanity, I decided to leave one of the best jobs with the best stock options and the best benefits in the world to go back to being a serial entrepreneur. For me, it was all about independence. I'd rather be driving my own car than be a passenger on Apple's enormous ship. I brought my startup to Silicon Valley and moved here permanently more than 25 years ago, 
hoping to plug into a sophisticated ecosystem that provided clear guidance and support for entrepreneurs like myself. I'd been frustrated trying to deal with the banks and investors in Europe who couldn't understand that a company's assets could consist merely of intellectual property. Starting a company in France was quite a bizarre experience. As the tax authorities demanded tax payments the moment the company was formed, they explained that small companies have proved unreliable at paying taxes, so they charge a big lump sum tax at the moment the startup is formed, which is something of an obstacle to encouraging entrepreneurship, so I formed the company in the UK instead, subsequently moving it to San Jose, California. Silicon Valley was the promised land the place where talented entrepreneurs could pursue the American dream. The problem I found when I got here was that Silicon Valley operated like the Wild West. The process of growing successful startups was not well understood, except by a few experienced venture capital investors on Sand Hill Road who guarded the whole process as a trade secret. It seemed the farmers who'd given up their land for the construction of new startup offices had operated a much more scientific and well-understood process for growing fruit than the wildcat teams of geeks and moneymen who directed tech startup ventures. Where could I find the secrets of success in Silicon Valley? There were no books of any practical value. The business schools were filled with professors who had no practical hands-on experience of forming new ventures, Every course I attended in business school assumed the company already existed, that there were budgets available for marketing, and that each company had an established product or service to offer. None of the business school professors had any experience of forming and growing a startup venture themselves, and had no insights into how to operate in a world where the product didn't exist, and the whole venture was just a set of ideas. Shortly after arriving in Silicon Valley, I went to a seminar in San Jose where a Harvard-educated lawyer called Mark Cameron White explained how companies organize their preferred stock, common stock, and stock option plans. I remember Mark referring to an 83B election, which is a tax filing entrepreneurs should use to minimize the taxes they pay if their startup hits it out of the ballpark. I remember being thrilled and fi to finally find someone who knew how the nuts and bolts of startups were assembled. In fact, I soon realized that the nuts and bolts of business were assembled by lawyers in Silicon Valley. Mark has since become a good friend, and he is going to be joining me on these podcasts. Mark has formed thousands of new startups, including some famous names like Tesla Motors. He's orchestrated more than 500 venture capital investments, and more than 200 M&A acquisitions. After I figured out the nuts and bolts of business were assembled by lawyers, I went to law school and earned my doctorate in law, all the time looking to extract the useful nuggets of information that would be useful for entrepreneurs. I felt like the only person in law school who had no intention of becoming a lawyer. I was there to figure out how startups were constructed and how entrepreneurs could cash out through mergers, acquisitions, and IPOs. And I captured everything I learned to pass on to the next generation of budding billionaires 
ultimately through Silicon Valley Business School. Santa Clara School of Law is known for intellectual property, which turned out to be very useful as I've been deeply involved in the patent business for more than 15 years now, helping inventors monetize their patents. As we'll see in future episodes, the patent world is very bizarre and highly misunderstood. Many of the upcoming podcast episodes will cover aspects of patent licensing and monetization. So you might be wondering why I'm on this mission to help entrepreneurs and innovators. The reason is that more than 95% of the startups founded by tech entrepreneurs fail to generate a positive return on investment, and more than 99% of the patents created by innovators fail to generate any revenue whatsoever. A failure rate in excess of 95% is too high. Imagine visiting your doctor and he tells you there's an operation that you can take which is totally unnecessary, it has a failure rate of more than 95% and the cost of failure will be quite damaging. No one in their right mind would go ahead with an operation like this. But this is essentially a decision an entrepreneur faces when deciding to start a new venture and the decision an inventor has to make when deciding whether to file a new patent. There are mountains of dead startups and worthless patents in Silicon Valley. Many of the companies failed for predictable reasons, and the failures could have been avoided. Likewise, more patents could be successfully monetized if the inventors knew how the patent industry really worked. The internet now offers us a platform to provide entrepreneurs and innovators with the information, education, support and guidance they so dearly need. Beyond podcasts, we can offer online education, a knowledge base of information, advice and mentoring. We can connect entrepreneurs with experts, mentors and marketing teams capable of bringing new products to market. We can connect patent holders with patent licensing firms and potential buyers. We can provide everyone with a law school and business school education without taking on any student debt. The time has come to share the secrets of success and build a support network for the people who are prepared to put their careers on the line to build new products and companies for us. We're here to help the innovators and entrepreneurs, the people who are designing and building our future. Although Silicon Valley is widely viewed as providing an ecosystem designed to help the ambitious and inventive individuals succeed, and it's the American dream that upward mobility is achievable by any American through hard work, the odds are stacked against the little guy. Large, powerful, incumbent organizations hold all the power, and they've designed the system to protect them at the expense of ambitious new entrants. For example, if you raise finance from a venture capital investor, this involves selling preferred stock. They will require that it's structured as a preferred stock investment. And regardless of whether the investor buys 99% of the company or just one share, the investor takes control of the company. Not only does the investor control the board of directors, all significant shareholder decisions, and has the power to fire you, the entrepreneur, at any time, 
If the company is successful and it's acquired, you have to stand behind the investor when the proceeds of the sale are shared out. Even though you may own a large percentage of the overall shares, your shares are common stock and the preferred stockholding investors get multiples of their investment back before you get to share in any of the proceeds. It's not unusual for all the proceeds of a company sale to go to the investors and for the entrepreneur to earn nothing at all when the company is sold. You might think that your lawyers will protect you from unreasonable investment terms, but the chances are they won't. Imagine you hire a lawyer to form your startup and help you raise finance. This is something lawyers do quite well in Silicon Valley, but you might not realize that the lawyer represents the company, not yourself. Unless you hire a second lawyer to act in your own personal interests, which entrepreneurs never do, you'll find that the lawyer is representing the company and effectively working for the investors. Think about it. If you're a lawyer in Silicon Valley and all your business over several decades comes from venture capital-backed startups, are you going to do anything to upset the investors? The lawyers hired by entrepreneurs to represent startups are acting in the interests of investors and they have little incentive to act in the interests of the entrepreneur. This is one of the reasons why venture investment terms are not exactly designed to protect the entrepreneur or help the entrepreneur cash out when the company is sold. In a world where money talks and large incumbent organizations hold all the power, it's difficult to find anyone who has the interests of the entrepreneurs and the innovators at heart. If you come up with a fabulous new invention, you file a patent, you get the patent granted after several years of prosecution before the patent office, and then you find that the invention is being infringed in the market, so you approach the infringer and suggest they pay you a royalty fee. You'll likely find that the company tells you that you have to hire a team of lawyers and sue them before you get any response to your request. Merely because you sent an email requesting a license royalty, the company could decide to sue you, and this happens all the time. When you get to court, you'll find that the company demonizes you as a patent troll, tells the court you're a liar, you stole the invention from someone else, and provide many reasons why you're a bad person and your patent is no good. If you don't have an army of lawyers and a war chest of funds behind you, large corporations will go ahead and infringe your patent for as long as they like, without paying you a dime. If you approach them, however friendly, they'll threaten to make you liable for all the legal fees they incur when they attack you in court. As the result of lobbying, fake news about patent trolls, and unlimited budgets to influence Washington, large corporations have managed to change the patent system in their favor in the last several years. Now the patent office collects fees from inventors to file patents, then collects maintenance fees from inventors to maintain patents, then collects fees from large corporations to kill the same patents when royalties are requested from infringers. The odds are stacked against the innovator and the entrepreneur. What we're doing with this podcast and other initiatives is trying to reverse the trend by providing information 
education, support and guidance for the people who are taking the risk to build our future. A study found that 46% of businesses fail due to incompetence, 30% due to lack of managerial experience, and the rest were generally attributed to lack of general experience, natural disasters and neglect. I've seen the lack of experience and business acumen myself. One startup I was asked to advise was run by a seasoned Silicon Valley entrepreneur who'd successfully sold a business in the past and had raised more than a million dollars for this new software venture, which had spent all the money and wasted 18 months developing software that was already available from competitors in the market. The founding team had not taken the time to run a simple online search to check if their radical new idea was in fact already on the market before they started the new venture. They didn't look for competitors, so they didn't find any. In this case, the company had to be shut down within two years of starting up. It didn't even get close to releasing its software product and simply shut up shop after finding it was reinventing the wheel. Another company I found myself helping had not bothered to pay any taxes for a couple of years. We managed to cut the costs and turn the business around, but the tax issue was difficult to escape and ultimately forced the company to close. The tax authorities added fines onto fines, added interest onto that, and the business was crippled because the entrepreneur had decided to ignore letters from the IRS. Sweeping tax issues under the carpet is not uncommon. I've come across several startups that have thought the tax rules didn't apply to them. And it's fair to say these are not the types of companies that survive more than a few years. Budding entrepreneurs are often enticed to take the risk of starting a new business by encouraging slogans like, build it and they will come. You can do it. Follow your dream. You can do whatever you put your mind to. In the real world, these slogans should be rewritten to say, build it and they will come. If what you've built is a reliable product that the customer needs and you're able to spread the word and reach your audience without breaking the bank. You can do it. If you've done your homework and learned all the necessary skills. Follow your dream, but make sure you're prepared for the journey. You can do whatever you put your mind to so long as you've prepared carefully and it's within your skill set. So here's an idea as to how we can dramatically increase the startup success rate. What if we show people just what it takes to start a new business and get it off the ground? Then we encourage them not to start a new business until they're ready. If we can stop the incompetent, inexperienced, unprepared individuals from forming new businesses, we could likely cut the failure rate by half. The problem is that they don't know what they don't know. And all the startup stories they hear in the news seem to have a happy ending. Yes, there are successful entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. However, do you know the average age of an entrepreneur that successfully forms a startup that reaches an exit? like a sale of the company. It's a lot higher than you think. The average age of a successful entrepreneur measured at the time the new venture was formed 
is 47 years old. It's experienced, battle-scarred entrepreneurs with an average age of 47 who are most likely to survive the startup process and cash out. The concept of the successful young entrepreneur is mostly a myth. There's a lot to learn before you have a good chance of making a success from a startup venture. By providing information, education, advice and guidance through this Silicon Valley Trends podcast and through Silicon Valley Business School and other initiatives, we can hopefully help innovators and entrepreneurs avoid the pitfalls and become more successful. You're welcome to join me in my Silicon Valley Business School chat room where I can answer questions and help you navigate your startup towards success. You'll see that we're assembling a faculty of seasoned experts that can provide advice and guidance via these chat rooms on the Silicon Valley Business School website. If you're an entrepreneur looking for help building your investor pitch deck or marketing your product, we can help you at redrooster.media. We'll be announcing some exciting new initiatives in future episodes. I hope you can join this mission to help innovators and entrepreneurs and we can start a trend that leads to more innovations reaching customers and more successful startup ventures. I realize today that you've only heard my voice, but in this podcast series, we'll be talking to Silicon Valley's movers, shakers and deal makers. We'll get the inside story on what's happening and how business really works in Silicon Valley and the tech sector. I hope you'll join us for future podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you get new episodes as and when they're released. And please rate us on your podcast player as this will help us get up the rankings where more people will be able to find us. That's it for today. Hope you tune in to the next Silicon Valley Trends, the podcast for innovators and entrepreneurs.